Not right now. I'll just open up with a karakia. Thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this gathering. We thank you for the people here under the sound of my voice. Lord, most of all, we thank you for your presence here in this place, your spirit, Lord. May you speak through me. May your words issue forth. May someone in this house be ministered to by your spirit this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What an awesome series we've done this month. Jesus at the center. And I love that song that uh, we brought out last week and this week. Jesus at the center of it all. I love it. Oosh, yeah. Been taking singing lessons with my wife. And uh, we've had a couple of great messages, and then we had some awesome speakers uh, last week, Reese and Charlotte and, um, and Sophia, sorry, Reese and Charlotte and Sophia. Ian and Sophia are actually up in Taipa today. It's so awesome, actually, that our church is expanding and the branches are reaching over the walls, because even now, right now as I speak, we have Ian Bilby, our elder, preaching in Taipa at the Father's house, and this morning we had... Bree and, and Steve and Rachel bringing the worship up in that house this morning. So we had two worship teams from Excite ministering this morning. How awesome is that? Yeah, that deserves a round of applause. That deserves a clap. God's good that He's growing us and He's grown our team to the point where we can minister beyond these four walls. Amen. So I'm going to talk about Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And I know Pastor Paul brought an awesome word on peace. I've just come to fix all the heresies. And um, no, I'm just kidding. He brought a great word on peace. And, uh, but I really felt the Lord um, put on me to bring a further word on peace. I'm going to read this scripture, which you often hear around this time of the year. And it is from Isaiah 9, verses 6, and it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is a prophetic word coming from the prophet, of Isaiah, prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament, and it is about Jesus Christ, who would come to us and whom, whose birth we celebrate in this season, in Christmas time. Amen? I know we're still in November, Fano, but we're close enough to Christmas. Amen? So I want to talk about the peace of God, and I want to talk about how the peace of God is a little bit different to what you and I might think of as peace as the world understands it. It is different. And I want to talk about why we have access to that peace, and the only way you can get access to that true peace. And so I'm going to bring this scripture from Colossians 3, verse 3, and it says, for you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Let me just explain that. Jesus came so that he could give his life and pay the price for the separation that we have from a loving father. And in that payment, in that death, we died ourselves. We consider ourselves, our old selves, dead in Christ, just as he died at the cross. But what's more, in the resurrection, when he was raised up by God, we too were raised up in a new life. As the sister was talking about, born of the incorruptible seed of God, born of the Spirit. And where is that life? That life is hidden in Christ. Yeah? So you and I, we are in Christ. And as Pastor Linda said, he is in us. He has made his home in us. So within you, within me, lives 
the Prince of Peace. Amen? So what does that mean for us? We need to put off that old man. We need to walk within the new man, the new creature, the new creation. Yeah? Put off the old man, put on the new. And in Colossians 3, 12 to 17, it says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, holy and beloved, holy and beloved. I heard a friend of mine say yesterday, oh, no, I'm not holy. I'm not holy enough. I'm not holy. I'm telling you right now, if you are in Christ, you are holy and beloved. Amen. And it's not because you've done everything right. It's because he's done everything right. And he took all your wrong to the grave. And now you are hidden in him. So you are holy and you're beloved if you reside in Christ. Yeah? There's good news, all right. So what do we do? We put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And what will happen? And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, as the sis was saying. I love how God does this. He brings the same message through different people. This morning at the prayer time, Paul just came with a message that's pretty much what I'm going to preach. So you've had a prequel. Come on. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, body of Christ, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, which we love doing here at Excite, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him in all we do, allowing peace to rule in our hearts. It's interesting I found the wording there because it says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. This suggests to me that naturally we might be resisting the peace of God. We might be resisting allowing the peace of God to rule in our hearts. Why? Because we, we understand peace on a different level. And you and I, sometimes when we're caught up in our own mind, in our own lives, and if you're a bit of a control freak, like I can be sometimes, you're trying to wrestle your own peace out of the situation. There's no room for God's peace. There's no room for Him to come and allow Him to rule in your hearts with His peace. So you're busy there trying to wrestle your situation, trying to wrangle your situation, trying to change your environment to bring an image of peace that you understand to be peace. But I'm telling you now, the peace of God is a, is a peace that transcends all understanding. It is a peace that doesn't rely on the circumstance. It is a peace that doesn't depend on your situation. You can be in the storm and still have peace. You can be in the furnace and still not burn. You can be in the trials. You can be in that argument. You can be in that raridaru and still maintain a peace within because it comes from the Lord. So let's the peace of God rule in your hearts. And what do we know about our hearts? 
Well, we know that Christ can give us a new heart. We know that He can take out our heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. We know that from our heart flows all the issues of life. See, it's not the other way around. You don't want to get every, all your ducks in a row externally so that you can finally feel peace. That's not the way the kingdom rolls. It's not the way the kingdom operates. It's the way the world operates sometimes. We want to think, okay, if I can just get my situation in order, I can finally experience some peace. If I can just work, 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 and then pay off my house, get rid of my mortgage, and then get my dream job or, or retire in some place, and then I can finally get some peace. But Lord, the Lord is calling you to have a peace in your heart right now. Because the peace in your heart will flow out into the issues of your life. The peace in your heart will influence your environment. You will find with the peace of the Lord ruling in your heart, your environment will follow suit. Amen? Amen. I skipped a few things. Fantastic. Thank you, Lord. In Isaiah 26, verse 3, it actually says these, these words, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Because why? Because he trusts you. Peace is gained from trust. It's gained from faith. Inner peace. And it flows on to directly affect our circumstances. We see this the way that... uh, the way that Jesus operated. See, this one day Jesus had a real long day. Who's had a real long day before? And at the end of it, you just want to put your head down and you just want to shut off to the world and you just want to climb into your little cave and just blob. And, you know, I've had one or two of those days, just one or two. So Jesus had a big day of ministry and he said to his boys, all right, let's hit the water. Off we go. And he took a bit of a nap in the boat. And we see here in Mark 4, 35, 41, on the same day, this is after his big day of ministry, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side, talking about the, across, across the lake, across the sea. Now, when they had left the multitude, which he'd been hanging out with and ministering to all day, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, a storm rose up, and the waves beat onto the boat, so that it was already filling. But where was Jesus? He was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. Shot Jesus. (laughs) And they awoke him, and they said to him, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Then he arose, and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, peace, be still. Peace be still, say the word and I will set my feet upon the sea till I'm dancing in the deep. But I digress. Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? What was key about the way that Jesus operated in that situation? The storm was raising. He'd had a massive day. This is the last thing he needed. 
you know? And then his boys are waking him up. But where was he? He was asleep in the middle of the storm. He was asleep in the stern of the boat when water was piling in over the sides. Everyone was scared they were going to drown. Jesus was asleep. His peace came from within. It doesn't say he got up, calmed the waves, and then felt peaceful, and then went to sleep. It says he was in a state of peace, and then he influenced his surroundings. He influenced his environment. Amen? Peace comes from God. It comes from, I've got, I've got three things that came to mind here where, where peace can come from. Peace comes from our experience of God's faithfulness. See, sometimes God can bring us through a storm. See, those disciples, once they'd seen that happen, they've experienced that now. They've seen the power of Christ. They've seen the command He has over the wind and the waves. So guess what they would have been feeling next time they were on a boat with Him? Peace. Because they've seen it. God has done stuff in your lives. He has come through at times where you thought there was no way through. And God wants us to hold on to those moments because that experience will bring us peace. It says in the Word that we'll face trials of many kind. But as we go through these, character is built. Out of character, hope is built. And hope never lets us down. Perseverance, character, and hope. And that's just through experience. But that's not the only way peace comes. Peace comes through prayer. Talking to God. Laying it down at His feet. In Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. I didn't get that scripture until I read the scripture about the storm in the boat when it says it surpasses all understanding. Crazy that a man can have such peace in the middle of such peril. But that's what it means about the peace of God surpassing all understanding. So you can, you can wrestle a peace out of your situation. You can get some measure of peace through your own control and your own skill and your own talent in life. But there will always be something in there until you give it to God, until you abide in Christ. And then that's when the peace will not only flow from the outside in and create a peaceful person, but it will flow from the inside out and create a peaceful world around you. Amen? Then you can start influencing those around you. Then you can start seeing peace in others' lives who you walk with, who you talk with, who you spend time with, in every sphere of influence. Because we know that God has placed each of us into a sphere of influence for a purpose, and how are we going to operate in that sphere and bring the peace of God and the love of God? By maintaining our position in Christ and leaning on that peace. Amen. But above all else, from experience to prayer, peace comes from a personal relationship with a loving Savior. It comes from a personal relationship with Christ. These things I have spoken to you, he says in John sixteen thirty three that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So as Christians, we don't experience conflict-free lives. Who knows that? 
Yeah? If you've come into this house for the first time and you're hoping to have all your troubles in this world go away, it's not going to happen. But what I can promise you is that Jesus will be with you in the storm. That Jesus will be with you in the flames. There's, there's three characters in the Old Testament, I wasn't going to preach about this, but I will, called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we're going, that's not actually their true names, their names were changed. As part of all the stuff that happened to these three guys, they were taken out of their homeland. Their homeland was sacked by a foreign king who did not love God. They were kidnapped, taken away to another kingdom. They were brainwashed in the new culture, given new names, given new identities, given a new language to speak and all the rest. And then they saw God's faithfulness in their lives as, as God brought miracle after miracle. And they saw that God was actually using them in this foreign kingdom and elevating them to a point where these three guys were in a position of authority within this foreign kingdom. They were actually set as administrators over the kingdom of Babylon because of God's faithfulness in their life. But there came this point where the king of Babylon, he set up this idol, this huge 90-foot tall idol made of gold. And he said, whenever you hear the tunes playing, everyone in the kingdom's got to bow down and worship this idol. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're not about that because they honor one God. And they'd been honoring to this government right up until this point, And they went, well, we're just not going to do that. And so all of their jealous mates that were also administrators and counselors and all the rest in this kingdom, they went to the king and they said, ah, these three boys who you, you like, they're not doing what you told them to do. And Nebuchadnezzar said, right, well, the rulers, they get thrown into a fiery furnace. But this king liked them. So he goes, I'm going to give you one last chance. I'm going to give you one last chance. The tunes are going to play, and I want you to bow down to this idol. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. And right there in front of the king, right there in front of the furnace, they said to the king, listen, our God can... And he probably will save us from this. But even if he doesn't, but even if he doesn't, but even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down to your idol. We're not going to worship your gods. So this king got furious. This king got mad and he goes, I'm going to fire up this furnace seven times hotter. So he fired up this furnace seven times hotter and he said, right, oh guys, grab these boys and throw them in the furnace. And then so all these guards come and they grab these three guys and they drag them to the furnace, but it's so hot that even the guards, they die on the way to the furnace. They fall over dead, too hot. So I don't know what happened there. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego must have crawled the rest of the way for them. <laughs> and then Nebuchadnezzar looked into the flames and he said to his mates, he said to everybody there, didn't I throw three people in there? Didn't I throw three people in there? And they said, yes, yeah, so great king. Don't throw us in the fire. You threw three people in there. And he said, but look, I see four people. And one of them looks like the son of God. One of them looks like the son of God. Jesus was in the flames with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He didn't squash the flames. He didn't blow out the flames. He didn't pour a whole lot of cool water on them. He didn't wipe out the king. He didn't do any of that. He just came and chilled with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the flames. You're going through a fiery time. You're going through a trial. You're going through some pressure right now. Jesus might not come and take that pressure away. 
Because guess what? It's going to grow you. He might not come and blow out the flames. He might not come blow away all your enemies. But what he will do is he will come and he will chill with you. And it's because of him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was called out by this king. Come out, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. And they come out and it says, not a hair on them was touched, not a piece of clothing was singed, and they didn't even smell of smoke. And what did Nebuchadnezzar do to these guys that were so angry, he was so angry with, for not doing as he told, told them. He said, if anybody in my kingdom speaks ill about this God, they're going to be cut up into little pieces and I'll burn their house. And he goes, praise be to God, the Most High, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He turned right around and glorified God. And then he elevated these three again in the province. See, God has a way of vindicating. He has a way of raising us up. And you know, the, bless, the real blessing there was not even just that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego survived the flames, but they survived the flames in such a way that God had elevated them to a place of influence and authority within a foreign kingdom. And guess what? They could actually now speak life into a place where there was no life. They could speak God into a place where there was no God. They could speak peace and influence a kingdom for the good. Where if God had just wiped them out, they just would have been wiped out. But God's always got a better plan. Amen? Whew, we've gone way off track. Hallelujah. Matthew 10, 34. This is an interesting scripture. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, comes and says, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. Hang on, Reuben. Weren't you just talking about Jesus being the Prince of Peace? I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. What Jesus is talking about here is he's saying that your life the world around you, the situation around you will not always be peaceful. Abiding in Him and receiving Him as your Lord and Savior does not guarantee that you're not going to come up against resistance. When we choose to follow Christ and lay down our life for Him, we're drawing a line and we're standing firmly on the side of Christ. And there is always resistance when this happens. And some of it doesn't make any sense. But Jesus is saying, I've not come to bring that kind of peace. I've come to bring a sword. He's talking about the Word of God. He said, he said I've come to bring a sword. I've come to bring actually a peace that's greater than the peace you think I was going to bring. You might be pitted against your family members when it comes to your faith in Christ. You might get resistance from people who you love the most. But Jesus is saying that the peace that transcends all understanding that will come and guard your heart and your mind, that peace, if you'd maintain in me and maintain in love towards others, maintain the love of God, you don't have to fight wars or fight battles like they do here on earth because there's a peace within you and that peace will triumph. Amen? You know, and I've seen people in my life who, who have started off aggressive to my walk in the faith and then just through walking with them and just maintaining my peace with God, I have seen peace enter places where I thought it could never enter. Amen? Peace. That peace. The peace of God. 